0: In this episode, I talk with the man that is responsible for my print-and-play addiction. The man that introduced me to the website PNPRK. The admin for Martin's Print-and-Play Hideaway Facebook group, Martin Gonzalez. Martin, like me, is completely immersed in the gaming hobby and industry. He not only runs the hideaway, but he's also a podcaster and host of the monthly Print-and-Play Geek List, Board Game Geek. He plays most games solo, and that lends to some interesting game choices. Check it out. Welcome back to Lunch and Board Game, I'm your host Adam Collins and with me today is the admin for the Facebook group Print and Play Hideaway, Martin Gonzalez. Martin, how you doing? I'm doing
1: well, sir, how are you?
0: No, not too bad, not too bad. It's We're kind of coming out of the uh, winter, sort of, into the spring and then
1: maybe we're okay but you're out there on the uh, west coast, right? Yes, yes, yes. Where the <laughs> coldest it gets recently is if the forecast says uh, it's going to be in the upper 40s. I'm like, oh, OK, that's a little bit too cold for me now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're not that lucky. Uh, I wake up and I wake up right now. It's that time of year where you get up and it's like 38 degrees. So it's gonna be 80 by the time you go home. So you wear a coat into the office and look weird because you got to carry it out.
1: Yeah, no, <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I spent a lot of time on the East Coast uh, in New Jersey and upstate New York, so I know the drill.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the Midwest, you know, you just you never know. And it's that time of year where it's just 30, 40 degree fluctuation. Of the day is normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for Martin, anybody who doesn't know who you are, what do
1: you do for the gaming industry? Okay, well, that's, uh, how much time do we have? (laughs) Well, we can um, (laughs) go
0: on forever if we want to and need to.
1: (laughs) We might. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Yeah, so as you mentioned, uh, I think the main thing to talk about is that I'm the admin of Martin's Print and Play Hideaway on Facebook. Uh, I've been doing that since about August uh, 2019, so uh, coming up on three years now. And currently, we have about over 6,000 members um, so it's, it's kind of uh, one of the, you know, places where people who are into the print and play side of the gaming hobby, um, which is the niche within the niche, <laughs> if you will, <laughs> right? Um, so as we know, board gamers are already like, you know, a rarefied group. And then uh, within that, su- there's a subsection of that there's a board gamers who like to make their own games. <laughs> um, you know, craft them out of paper and cardboard and all kinds of other materials. So um, I've been I've been fortunate enough to be kind of heading that group uh, for three years now. Now, uh, aside from that, and co- uh, uh, connected to that is about for about a year and a half now, I've been the host of the Print and Play f- uh, group uh, on Board Game Geek. So the monthly Print and Play Geek list. Um, for those of you who are familiar with Board Game Geek. Um, And uh, so every month uh, I open up a new list and uh, we pull together enthusiasts of print and play and encourage them to kind of post your latest builds or things that you plan to build. And this is a way that we kind of share, you know, the things that we're working on and then inspire other folks to like, hey, I want to build that too, or I didn't even know about that. That's kind of cool, you know, And, um, and those types of things. And then aside from the whole print and play side, um, I've also recently been made a moderator of the BG41 solo gaming group on Facebook. So I'm pretty proud of that. And there's a great bunch of people, um, let's say something around between 10 to 15,000 members of that group and dedicated to solo board gaming um and finally uh i as we were talking about before we went on the air i'm also the co-host of the solosaurus uh gaming podcast along with my co-host michael eckenfels and um this is a podcast that's been going on we actually inherited it a couple of years ago um from uh, a couple of guys named brandon and carter who started the show but then their lives kind of changed and they couldn't go on doing it um and solosaurus is in at its at its core it's a podcast where we take a deep dive into one solo game per episode we talk about the pros and cons and then we um we give it we we determine if it deserves the stomp of approval that's the the whole thing of the solo source we, we you know yeah we, we even have like a, a graphic file it's like hey if your game earned the stomp of approval we send you the graphic file um people who receive it like they're probably like well, we don't know what this is what is this yes thank you <laughs> but I mean you know it's, it's just a thing and uh, yeah we we've uh, we've enjoyed doing that we've had the honor of uh, hosting Solosaurus for uh, a couple of years now um, so yeah so that's uh, I, I'll stop there there's there's other <laughs> stuff but I'll, I'll, I'll give it a pause right there and then let you get a word in edgewise
0: <laughs> no that's fine so I actually came across you. Uh, when you were on Gabe Barrett's podcast yes. talking yes. about print and play, yes, and I've talked about the website PNP Arcade to death on this show. Oh, great! Um, you turned me on to that sh- to that website. I have lost countless dollars on that website. Um, I I love to do print and play. I don't get as so some of the people in the group. In in the uh, hideaway, man, those guys are amazing, Mm -hmm. and I don't have that kind of talent, that (laughs) kind of patience, and that kind of equipment.
1: Right. So I stick
0: mainly to uh, rolling rights and card games and simpler board games. But man, some of those guys, they and and you included,
1: you guys really can get in there (laughs) and, and, and make some stuff. Yeah. No. The the. There's a there's a danger of like seeming elitist, right? It's like if you get into the print and play hobby, you're just getting in, and then you see p- people posting like really elaborate like builds. Because some people, myself included, kind of find enjoyment and satisfaction in um, how can I can I craft this game to a level of uh, you know kind of quality that equals or exceeds a manufactured version of that game and by the way i just want to clarify that we're talking about you know we focus on legitimate authorized print and play files right we're not talking about like um you know folks uh pirating you know uh uh, making pirated copies of games right so by and large in the print and play hideaway we focus on folks who are um you know who who, uh purchase or get free print and play files because there's a quite a lot of uh free print and play piles, files that are being offered by designers and publishers. Um and you know, whatever it is. And and so the, the, the thought that I was trying to make earlier is a lot of folks are focused on the crafting aspect, right? In fact, the the uh the meme is or the it's like some of us spend so much time crafting that we never get around to playing the things that we create. <laughs> you know? Oh, I um, hear that. Yeah. Uh, but then we also want to make sure that if, especially for folks who are new to the print and play hobby, let's say you just joined the hideaway, uh, this encompasses folks from all, you know, all, all uh, sides of that spectrum. Whether like yourself, you, know, you just want to make like nine or 18 card um, you know, uh, button shy game builds, uh, roll and rights and those types of things, We absolutely uh, welcome, welcome you to the fold. Uh, and everybody in between, right? So, um, oh, yeah. it, it's not just it's not just like limited to folks who are super uh, interested in crafting high quality uh, games.
0: Well, because of you and the, and I got into into print and play, which was awesome because I started spending less money per Kickstarter, mm-hmm. but I backed more Kickstarters because they were cheaper. So but, I didn't save any money yeah i just got more games and you know and i do step out and you know but also you know along that lines it it made me more aware of just buying like the pdf of the book or the epub of a book and you know i just load it into my kindle like normally i would be like i'll just buy the paperback but like but i'm kind of more into the digital the whole digital thing right now and it was interesting and i'm trying to think what the last well the last build i did was um, I had the files for Monopoly Stock Exchange. Okay. The, the which, as far as I can tell, that is the first expansion ever for a game, 1936. Wow. <laughs> and That's I incredible. had the PNP files, and which wasn't much to it. I had to print off the the stocks themselves. The PNP files, actually, pretty cool the way that they made because it, it sits over free parking and gives free mm-hmm. parking a purpose mm-hmm. and the p the file came with like the the square but it had two flaps that you cut and glued together so it just kind of slides over your, your oh. free parking and then nice. it came with a batch of stickers that you could print off to adjust your community chest and chance cards to make them fit the game so mm-hmm. I, I did that build sent it to my cousin and then a different cousin. Uh, just a couple of days ago, made have been yesterday actually, posted that he wanted he saw on Pinterest or something, a guess who with somebody had fan made of the office.
1: Oh wow. <laughs> so
0: I found the file, downloaded the file of all the characters and stuff, so now I gotta go hit up the uh, the local consignment shops and try to find a, a, a guess who that just I'm like I don't even care for all the cards are there. As a matter of fact, I don't need the cards. All I need is the the board and all the little doors. As long as that's that's all there. Yeah, I'm good to go.
1: Yeah, no, so, that's great, man. That's awesome. Yeah, those are, those are great projects.
0: <laughs> I mean, they're fun. They're fun little ones to play with, and then of course, like you said, Buttonshy. shy. Oh my goodness, I've got a whole card sleeve shoe box, whatever it is, card box <laughs> full of the button shy that I've purchased and yeah. uh, and that I've pmped. Just such a such a great website. Well, um, what's
1: your what's your favorite button shy game?
0: Universal rule, no question.
1: Wow. Yeah. I've seen that one. I'm Uh not, I'm not played it. Yeah.
0: Chip Ove, that game's amazing. Wow. Um, Sarah, his wife did the art for it. So chip was on my show and we talked about it. I'm like, I just, I love universal rule. There's just something about the fact that he crammed a four X game and 18 guards.
1: I, you know, I, now that you're talking about it, I mean, it's, it's been on my radar forever, but I've never actually purchased it, but I think I may have to now Now, with, oh, your, yeah. with your strong recommendation.
0: Oh my gosh. There's no, no question. That's my favorite. Um, And then like his, like I said, his wife did the artwork and then I had her on my show to talk about doing board game art. Mm-hmm. And now she did the artwork for our next game. Mm-hmm. Cause I run bearded board games with my, uh, my friend. And so she did the artwork for our next game, which we're going to launch hopefully yet this
1: year. That's very cool. Yeah.
0: yeah. You never know what you're going to run into uh, in this industry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. Like I just started getting into, I just wanted to play uh, and I was interested. Well, I mean, this already is getting into the next question, right? Which I don't know if you want to get into there yet, (laughs) but you can do whatever. (laughs) All right. So your, your next question for me is how did you get into gaming? And so this kind of ties into what I was talking about is, the person who actually got me into gaming and this was around 2017 was my oldest son uh gabe uh because he was already into it um uh, you know right after graduation uh from from college and uh whenever he would come home he would bring a different game and he would try to turn me on to it and he would play it with his siblings you know and, and for whatever reason because i i'd never really been into modern board games uh The closest was when if I go back to school, to college, like years ago, I was into um, tabletop uh, role playing games like Dungeons and Dragons, like Call of Cthulhu. Those were the biggies. And um, so I, I didn't really I didn't really have any idea of what modern board games were beyond, you know, the casual Monopoly or, you know, Clue and so on and so forth. Right. And then so, and and the stuff that Gabe was showing me wasn't really interesting to me until, until he brought Eldritch Horror. Are you familiar with this game? <laughs> I'm familiar, I've
0: never played it, uh, but oh, I am familiar man. with it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So now the reason why it was appealing to me was because it was a board game version of these Call of Cthulhu role playing games that I would play back in school, and then. You know, once I got into like career and stuff, and that just kind of all faded into the wayside, right? And then so, so he brings out this gigantic—it's enormous. Oh, it, yeah, Elder Char is huge, and it—it's a game that takes a long time to set up. There's, a, there's so many card decks of all these various sizes, right? And then, and he sets it up on our dinner table, and it takes up the whole table. And he's got to bring in another one, you know. <laughs> it was, like, it was just, just this gigantic, massive thing. It was super impressive um and then it takes a long time to play as we discovered uh 5 6 hours right but and he was running it like i i didn't know what i was doing but basically we we become these characters and it's this kind of world spanning desperate campaign against the evil plot of the brotherhood the evil brotherhood right and and this this uh otherworldly other dimensional being that's that's got this uh this this scheme that it's trying to basically it's a very very bad for the entire world right and you're you're you've got the, you're this desperate ragtag team that's trying to stop them and uh there's a whole lot of dice rolling there's a whole lot of edge of your seat suspense and i was enthralled the whole time we were like yelling at the top of our lungs and it's a co-op game right it's
0: not you no know, that's how it, you know it's a good game man you're and, all yeah. in
1: you know, and, 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 you know, you would think that, like, because for most gamers, it's like uh, competitive is where it's at. That's where, like, your competitive juices get flowing. This was a co-op game, and yet I was feeling myself getting swept up. And at, at every roll of the dice, it's like, no, no, give me a five, give me a six, oh, you know, whatever. And so so after that, I'm like, wow, that was an incredible experience. I shared it with my son, and uh, I, have to, I have to get a copy of this game. So that was it. So I, I that my, that was actually my first board game purchase was my own copy of Eldritch Horror, uh, which I've since played like six or seven times solo. <laughs> um, because as it turns out, shortly after that, all the kids just grew up and moved out, and then I was left. With how dare new... them! I know, right? Like how dare get, them get, you, get on get with you their hook lives. On a... Get,
0: get you hooked on gaming and leave you? I mean, right, exactly. what kind exactly. of kids yeah. are these?
1: <laughs> the, apparently, they want to go off and live their own lives. I mean, you know. Um, Craziness. I know, I know. So, mine, are, um, mine are
0: 3 and 10, so they're not, you know.
1: Yeah, they, you, have a, you have more, many more years with I, them. Course, I have plenty they,
0: more time with them. <laughs> no, that's but, um, awesome. Yeah.
1: yeah, no, so Eldritch Horror uh, will always hold a special place in my heart, and that was the first of... I don't know about four hundred now. <laughs> if, if you look behind me, you can yeah, see. Yeah, I was, a gonna, little I was bit. gonna
0: say. Yeah, you you definitely haven't you know, at least <laughs> you know lost your mind in board games yet. Well, maybe you have. You know. So how do you so, pronounce? Uh, so the game that got me back into it was Settlers of Catan. Um, okay. How do you pronounce the game, Settlers? I've of...
1: always said Settlers of Catan. Yeah, uh, is that right? I don't know. So I had
0: I had Pete Finlan on a couple of weeks ago, who is the CEO of Catan Studios, and uh-huh. uh, he he pronounced it Catan. So I feel vindicated that it's
1: probably yeah. Catan. I, I will I, yield to your superior uh, information <laughs> and data on this subject. Uh, I'm not, you know, guys. I've actually never played that game. Never. Wow. Played
0: yeah. No, it's it's a good one. It's uh, it, it, it was when I played it. Oh, it's been. 10 years ago, at least, because mm-hmm. before my son was born, so at least 10 or 11, 12 years ago now. And it kind of opened my eyes, kind of like Eldritch Horror did for you, that there's other games out there than the Parker Brothers, Milton Bradley mm-hmm. games. And man, you know, I'm like, what else is there? And now, yeah, I got like 250 or something of games. Yeah. And
1: yeah. It's yeah. Just, it, It it seems like it's a, a, like we're searching for something. We're searching for the, I don't know if I'm searching for the perfect game, but it's just like whenever I, and sometimes maybe this happens to you where you tell yourself, okay, that's it. Like this, the, the, stop the insanity, not going to spend any more. I'm not going to back any more Kickstarters, whatever. And then it almost seems like as soon as you say that, like a day or two later, you see somebody posts on Facebook or. Or you see something, a video or whatever on YouTube or on Board Game Geek, and it's like, wow, that's a really cool game. And then so you get swept I, up.
0: So I had my shelf of shame, my games I've never mm-hmm. played, right? Same. I had that down at the beginning of the pandemic, to like two or three. Oh, wow. Okay? Like wow. I was, I didn't have a lot because I was very, you know, I bought a game. I played it. I just I played mm-hmm. it right then. And then I started this podcast <laughs> <laughs> And all you darn guests keep coming up with all these games I've never heard of that sound amazing yeah and now I've got I've got my my shelf of shame sits at fifty and 50. wow <laughs> yeah, which but it's funny because like I, I play two well now I gotta buy two more to keep it at fifty right because I gotta <laughs> stay at fifty it seems to me just that's what happens. I had it down to forty eight and then I <laughs> <laughs> and then I yeah. bought one suggested. Uh, I finally got a good deal on one that a couple different guests have suggested the farming game, the game invented on the seat of a tractor. Oh, no. Um, I'm not so I just one. picked that one up. And then uh, Pete Finland talked about a game called Shark because I love a choir. And he's mm. like, oh, this is like a choir only meaner. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> you can get meaner than a choir? Like, a choir is a pretty mean game if you're playing mm. it right. <laughs> and so I, I found a copy of shark. I picked that up too. And wow. so I'm back at 50. So <laughs> I can't, I what? can't get below 50 for long. So I yeah. understand you're, 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 you well, keep saying I'm, at, I'm not going to buy any more. And then you, you do anyway.
1: I mean, I'm at 80 right now. And yeah, there you go. And, and, and actually I think so far uh, for 2022, I'm actually doing a lot better than I did in previous years by this point in previous years i would have easily have acquired like i don't know 50 60 70 games already by this point uh where are we we're in we're in april right we're coming up of april yeah now to this point i am a proud quote unquote air quotes i'm proud to say <laughs> that i've only purchased less than 10 games that's, wow. that's me being proud
0: <laughs> i don't even want to think about how many i've bought <laughs> or backed on Kickstarter for that matter. Yeah. Uh, so, so do you get into Kickstarters? Do you do do you back a lot of games?
1: Um I've been very I in the past, yes. I've become a lot more selective for Kickstarters. Uh this year I've only backed Earth, um which is a kind of a tableau building nature themed game uh by a guy named uh Magui is his last name. Um, he's the the publisher, um, and it's it's like a Canadian. It's, you know, I, I think it it, it it's emblematic. It, it's symbolic of the kind of game project that I think Kickstarter is properly for, which is they're an indie company. They're not one of these big publishers, and uh, they just they they legitimately you know need the Kickstarter to be able to produce their vision. Right, like I prefer to go after and to and to support like what seems to be independent creators and independent publishers who legitimately are using the crowdfunding, you know, to, to get support, not, you know, these things. And you know what I'm talking about? Like these, these big houses that uh, put out games that they're, they're, they're going to be massive hits no matter what. It's just that they're going on Kickstarter because they want to juice it up and do the whole play, the whole uh, unlocks thing, or, you know, uh, we're going to reveal more stretch goals and all this stuff and, and whatnot. And to me, those are the kinds of things I, projects I don't back on yeah. Kickstarter just because I feel like they don't need it. They don't need my support. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas I really go after pro- like what appear to be independent creators who really, really need the support. So yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah I would say I back most of the kickstars that I back fund less than $25,000. Right. They just they're they're more the indie market the smaller market. Um, now I'm not saying that every now and then I won't be like suckered into one of those bigger games. I'm like, and then I gotta back it anyway, you know. But you know, yeah, it's those are the ones I usually I back are the the smaller ones. I like to throw money for the print and play, especially for a lot of the rolling rights lately. There's been a lot of really good rolling rights that have really taken off on Kickstarter for like five bucks, and it gets, and it makes like twenty grand. And it's like. I wish I had a $5 idea that I can make 20 grand off of because it was just a print and play only. So the guy just emails you a file. What's that cost? (laughs) Zero
1: dollars. (laughs) Right. No shipping
0: nightmares. Yeah,
1: no, that, I mean, it it is, you're right. Like there's been a, a, an explosion of print and play kickstarters recently. Um, And and to me, that's both uh, kind of a good thing. Um, but it's also this is this is a little bit of a controversial statement, but um because it lowers the bar for entry um then it also because okay, in general uh, I'll put this out there it's easy to design a game it's hard to design a good game that's how I feel about it, right and so I agree um. It with, with the Kickstarters, it lowers the bar of entry where that, that is that that statement is even like ten times more true, where like, you know, it's it's a lot easier now for a lot more people who have like a bit of graphic design expertise to put out a Kickstarter like that and um and, and, and fund, right? And you know, for a certain segment of the population that isn't really they're looking for light experiences and not very like demanding or not very original, that's great. That's all fine. Um you know, if you've spent a little time in the hobby and you're kind of like um, hungry for, um, you know, kind of you're looking for something that you haven't seen before, uh, you know, kind of like a new, a new spin on mechanisms, something you know, clever, something this and that, um, then it becomes, I think, it becomes harder to see the signal through all the noise, is what I'm trying to say. There, I don't no, know. If I, like, think uh, or... I, I think
0: you're, I think you're 100 percent right. Yeah. Um, and that. So that's... yeah. Yeah, and there's a massive flood of games every Tuesday that hits Kickstarter.
1: <laughs> it, it's it, it's it, the struggle is real every Tuesday. It's like mm, wallet damage.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I I've started now where I don't even look. Yeah, um, I follow enough <laughs> people on Kickstarter, and so there's a couple people that if they back something, I'm like, okay, I'll go take a look at it. But then if I get the same email that so-and-so and so-and-so and -and and -and so-and-so are all backing this game, well, now Mm -hmm. i got to go look. Because three people, I mean, this has to be worth looking at. I go look at it, and I'm like, oh, man. Okay, I mean, how much is it? Okay, whatever.
1: And then, you know. It, It gets to the point where you're so plugged in where it's like, I, I don't even need marketing to reach me. <laughs> I yeah. will I will find out about the good ones. <laughs> the ones yeah, that, I, I
0: always I, feel like when when if I don't hear about your game somehow, it wasn't meant to be, I can tell you that. Because <laughs> like you said, I'm between the targeted Facebook ads that are gonna get me mm-hmm. and the uh when I log into Kickstarter anyway, it's gonna it's gonna right. suggest like, hey, while you were gone, look at all these <laughs> other things that came up. And then all the emails I get from all the people I follow, yeah, I, if I don't hear about your game, it was definitely not meant to be.
1: Yeah, um, the 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 Roland Wright that I got most interested in and I backed it um, is the uh, the one called Detroit. No, it's it's called Motor City, and it's by designed by Ben Pinchback and Matt Riddle. These are the same folks who designed um, Fleet the Dice Game and um, Three Sisters. They're more recent. So they, they kind of have a trilogy of, um, of heavier roll and write games. Um, and so I actually made a uh, print and play preview copy of Motor City. And I really like the mechanisms and how they the, 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 the way that they use the dice as an action selection mechanism, because, uh, you know, a lot of these like, you know, Roland writes that I find or like, I'll, I'll take a look at their videos or whatever. And it's like, roll the dice and then, you know, use the values and place them somewhere on your board. And then, you know, mark something off and then wash, rinse, repeat. And that, like I said earlier, like that's great. Uh, but for folks like me who, you know, we, we've kind of been in the hobby a little while. I've been in the hobby for five years now and I'm, I'm, I'm searching for like just different things. And so I felt that that Motor City did, some things that I'd never seen before, with um, you know, with kind of like its action selection using dice. So
0: now you're making me
1: wish I'd have bought it.
0: I didn't buy that one. I I stalked it. and I made a decision right at the end to not back it. Yeah, I think it was yeah. just, if I remember correctly, it was just a little bit expensive
1: for a roll and right. Sure, it, it is. I think it's worth it because they're they're aiming for a heavier. Most Roland rights are pretty light well Uh, this
0: thing's saying on board game geek real quick that the uh, weight on that thing is a three so that's a pretty heavy weight for a rolling right
1: it it is it is and um, i I won't lie but um and i am the type of uh gamer who I, i i kind of struggle with rules comprehension with learning games which is a challenge because you know when you're trying to keep up with a regular podcast and you have to learn a lot of games and there was a there was a period of time when Uh, you know folks are actually sending uh, Michael and me like you know games to review and then our like list of games started getting longer and longer and longer we had to work through them Um, and it doesn't get any easier people think oh the more you do this the easier it becomes to learn and for me no it doesn't like I sit in awe of you know folks on like on the Dice Tower or Rado or you know Quackalope and these content creators who seem to like Every week, multiple new games that you're now speaking to. Like, clearly, you've learned it. You've learned it to the point where you can now demo it and then you can review it. And I'm just like, how do you do that? I don't, I can't. My brain doesn't work that way.
0: (laughs) That happens. My brain, I don't know how it works. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't work at all. Yeah. (laughs) Other times, (laughs) I'm like, did I put my brain in today? So if I manage to make it out to the uh, West Coast, what mm-hmm. is your current favorite game? What game is currently sitting out on your table that we would play?
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Obsession by Dan Halligan. Have you heard of that one? I
0: I want to say yes, but I'm not sure. I don't think I have.
1: So is it's it been a around Kickstarter?
0: A... Uh I think he
1: did have a Kickstarter. Although, no, no, no. I take that back. I don't... Um, his he, He's an indie, um, and he self publishes and um, he this the first edition came out in 2018 and he since released a couple of expansions um, basically it's it's a board game version of uh, kind of a Victorian era Jane Austen novel or uh, or Downton Abbey if you will um, so it's 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 basically you are you're running a country house in England in Victorian England and you're um, hosting events at this house and you're using the, um, the people who work there, the staff um, as workers to be able to like support these events. And the goal is to uh, increase your reputation so that you're going to um, uh, attract the favor of the most, the wealthiest and most prominent family in the region, in the area uh, in Derbyshire, which is where it's set Um, because that's, this is true to like what what like a british aristocratic society was at the time um everything is all about social status right um and so if you were able to attract the the favor uh, of the most prominent family then you you had made it that means that that meant that there was wealth and prosperity and high reputation and good marriage and whatever for your own family um so this game kind of immerses you in that um in that world and now i realize that that's not the usual um you know theme for a board (laughs) game but i personally i love that theme. and so so, is it a co-op or are you working against each other it is um a you you compete you're competing against rival families for the uh for the favor of the um of the of the most prominent family um uh, i've never played it against other people because i'm (laughs) primarily a solo player (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, so the 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 reason why I really like it is because it has a very well developed and challenging solo mode that actually comes with solo cards that uh, you know they're more beginner they or intermediate or hard. Oh nice, um, yeah. So uh, and and the other thing about this game is that it's it's a labor of love. It's Dan Halligan's labor of love. Like he poured a lot of research and um, graphical design and just thought into the components like you open up the box and then there are there are boxes smaller boxes in inside for each family each each family that ships with the game so it feels like a premium thing and, and it just gives you that feeling of um uh, just like you, it, it, it could be like a family heirloom type box you know so so yeah. this isn't anyway. one of your print plays no, no, no. There, there would be no way for me to reproduce the, the splendor <laughs> of this, uh, of this game. Oh, that sounds so, yeah.
0: awesome. Um, yeah, I, and I it, it it's currently,
1: here. it's currently in the BGG like top fifty hotness or whatever. It's like it's almost a permanent fixture there now. Um, just because no, it's, it's looks up there. Great. Looks yeah, so awesome. That's my favorite. That's my, fa- my favorite. That is. Yeah. Yeah, it's not well, cheap. Because it's, it's probably in between printings. He's already done, like, I don't know, several print runs. And he may have sold out of the current one. So, but he, Dan Halligan, the designer and, and publisher, he he's very attentive. He listens. He, he's he's one of the greatest at customer service that I've ever met in the board game arena. Um, and he's just, like, a super down-to-earth, super nice person. And so he will listen to you and, and like, he... Basically, every regularly, maybe every couple of years, he'll he'll have another printing. So he's constantly iterating on this uh, on this will oh,
0: Definitely have to keep my eyes and ears out for the next print run of that. It looks looks beautiful from the pictures. So, mm-hmm. color me intrigued.
1: <laughs>
0: so, at your day job, do you uh, play
1: games on your lunch hour? Um, I I have occasionally in the past. Um, it's kind of awkward <laughs> to, uh, to Chuck for me to solo play. Um, so I work, I, I work at a tech company that's very large and there's a lot of people and, you know, um, it, let's just put it this way. It would be, it would be less awkward for me to do it if I actually had somebody to, to play with on my lunch break. Um, but so far that hasn't like, I, I've, I've had, I've, I've tried to spark exactly one kind of board game night with my work acquaintances pre-pandemic, and a few people showed up and we played, oddly enough, the game Pandemic. I, thought, I figured this is going to be a great introduction for these folks, you know, it's one of the classics. And then um, <laughs> they seemed to have a good time, but then like a week and a half later I said, okay, that was a great intro, here's the next one, and then nobody showed up. So I'm like, okay. I guess uh that's that (laughs) that's unfortunate yeah
0: so i just started a new company about well over a year ago now and the company i left we had a thriving board game oh that's lunchtime um we would have two or three games going depending on how many people showed up and what games we were playing that day nice uh but my new company um it's feast or famine for me there Mm -hmm. i've either got uh i've had one day of one person played a couple uh two-player games and then, um, last week we had seven people. Mm-hmm. Luckily I had two copies of the same game. So I'm teaching and playing, you know, like helping this, the table over here to my left, explain the rules. And I'm trying to play the game on my right. Um, <laughs> don't worry. I didn't win. Um, <laughs> probably cause I wasn't paying the best attention. And then today <laughs> we played again and it was just me and two people. So, right. But you know, it the other people had had meetings and it all came over their meeting got done. And so everybody's like watching us finish the game. They're all like standing around looking Ooh, who's going to win. Cause we got, a, we got a traveling trophy and mm-hmm. whoever wins gets to take the trophy, put it on their, the cube. Oh, so cool. we have people watching like, Who's going to get the trophy? Who's going to get the trophy? And I'm like, don't worry. It's not going to be me, you know, geez. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we were playing uh, red dragon N. Okay. So, uh, it's a game that they they really, they really, you know, love. So I'm like, I don't care if we play the same game every week, you know? Mm I mean, my red dragon Inn has so many characters to it that you can, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we can keep buying new characters for all I care. That's, that's great. I
1: keep it fresh. I, I love that you work at a place that there's, you know, there's folks with that enthusiasm and they're close at hand. Yeah. And you can kind of sustain it, you know, from week to week. That's great.
0: Yeah, and you know like I said, I've played just me and one other person and then I've played for a long time it was like three three was the people we we just kept having three and then uh, out of nowhere just seven I'm like what <laughs> And a couple people did a couple people didn't even show up that day so I'm like we've got like nine or ten on the list so we'll see I'm sure we'll keep we'll keep going we'll keep building it's all you can do right mm-hmm. just keep keep trying. So, if you did play on a lunch hour, full sixty minutes, what would be your mm-hmm. go-to sixty-minute game?
1: Uh Aeon's End. Uh, if you've heard of that one, it's a deck builder. Um, and I was first introduced to this in twenty eighteen, um, and uh, it's kind of fantasy themed, and it, it you know it, it puts a couple of different spins on the deck building um, you know kind of formula where it has variable turn order which means that you very easily based up there's a turn order deck um so you don't take turns you you draw a card from the turn order deck and if it's your turn again if it comes up it's your number you could take two turns in a row uh conversely if you're unlucky the nemesis could take multiple turns in a row and really do you a lot of damage so um but yeah, so Aeon's End would be my um, my go-to game that fits into 60 Minutes. Um, so how many does that play? Uh, one to four uh, with the with the base box. It's a co-op. Co-op and you're... Uh, imagine like it's a game where you play all these like characters, these um, Breach Mages, they're called, and uh, you go up against a Nemesis. And the Nemesis has uh, unique attacks. that The Nemesis has a, has a deck, um, which you kind of... You know, create, you, you construct it before play. There's instructions on how to construct it. And the, game, the base box comes with four nemeses, each with their own kind of unique deck. So uh, you can think of them as bosses in a video game, and each boss has a different strategy or technique that you have to figure out uh, to be able to defeat it, because what works on one isn't going to work on another. And on the flip side, the way that they hurt you is also different. Um, hmm. you know, so um, I think it's a really well designed and kind of thoughtful game that that it's kind of gutsy because it changes the other the other cool thing about Aeon End is you know most deck builders when you purchase you know upgraded cards to add to your deck they end up in your discard pile and you don't get them immediately until you you know have um, depleted your draw your draw pile and it's all discard and then you, you shuffle, shuffle your deck, discard. Yeah becomes your new draw pile and then you're now hoping that the cards that you bought are going to come into your hand because it's a random right because you shuffled well in Aeon's end it's a it's a no shuffle so the, the order in which you discard cards and add new cards to the discard pile is you, you control that which means you know the or the order in which you're going to draw them and they come into your hand is known to you. Which means now you can be strategic about that because if you've gotten a couple of cards that combo well with each other, then you can make them come out and into your hand at the same time and then start dealing like more damage or like doubling the effect or whatever it is. Interesting. So there's yeah, so there's there's, there's 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 less randomness, there's more strategy um in, in that game yeah um, i've seen
0: this game at the game shop i've never really taken much notice of it but see this is what i said this is why (laughs) i gotta play one to make room in my
1: my 50 for this one (laughs) yeah that's been that's been my go-to for a long time
0: no it sounds sounds good i I mean i like deck builders and this one sounds like a little different spin on it like you know one of my all-time favorite deck builders is uh star realms just there's something Mm -hmm. that's just so clean it's so fast Mm -hmm. it's so simple Never play with three players. It is stupid. (laughs) I don't even know why they felt. I I think that's one of my problems with gaming today. Is that every game feels the need Mm -hmm. to play one to six. Right. Yeah. Some games just aren't meant for that. I mean, it's just, they're just not like, you know, like that. So many games, you know, like like I just said, Star Realms at three player is terrible
1: Yeah, (laughs) because
0: two people gang up on one person and that person gets so weak that they become a non-factor. So then, then he and the other player attack you until you're a non-factor. And then the player you've already beat up has built himself back up and then, and nobody ever leaves the game. And so it's like, this game is just, you know, and so, you know, some games just don't translate well to single player or, you know, exceeding their player limits.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I think that like Star Realms, first of all, I think of it as like a very kind of clean and pure deck builder, if that makes yes. sense. And and and, and really, I think it its best expression is in a head to head, right, one to one. Um, I will say that Star Realms Frontiers is a twenty dollar box. I with love it. Eight solo bosses in the box. Yep. Um, and each boss is frustrating and devious because they break the rules in particular ways so like yep. Eon's end um on a smaller scale you have to try different strategies to beat each boss yeah so that's that that to me is the definition of a decent solo game <laughs> yeah i i
0: so they did a really good job with the solo game on star realms because like how do you make this a solo game and not only did they they did it very
1: very well they did it well i think the 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 before frontiers came out because it came out in like 2019 or 2020 i want to say well let's say the
0: kickstarter was one year and a year and a half later we got the we got frontiers
1: right right right. that was
0: so frustrating
1: i remember learning about it and then buying my copy on the floor at origins 2019 uh origins uh, convention um but i they they had already tried that similar kind of Solo boss, but with a campaign in Hero Realms, uh, in uh, ruin the ruin of Thandar expansion a couple of years before, but I don't think it was as successful or as streamlined as the Star the the Star Realms Frontiers, um, you know, experience. It it has Uh, been
0: interesting watching Hero Realms and Star Realms as they kind of just keep one passes the other, then they bring it back, then they bring the other one up to it. Because yeah. I remember the big thing that drew me to Hero Realms was everybody having a different starting hand. Exactly, yeah. And that was awesome. And then Star Realms did it with the Command Decks or something, I think that's what they call them. Yeah. And uh, so, of course, I had to buy all of those. Yeah, of Um <laughs> I'm pretty sure I have all of Star Realms, and it takes mm-hmm. up, like, a huge chunk of uh, a box. Um, right. But, you know, I, I do. I think Star Realms is great. I love how they still support it, and they yeah. still like High Alert, I think was the last set that just came out not too long ago. I bought it all, sleeved it all, and I haven't played a darn <laughs> game of it yet. Uh, I need to. I don't yeah. count it on my shelf as shame because if I put all the expansions on there that I haven't
1: played, then the number gets obscene. But I think Star Realms is a kind of game where it's evergreen, right? It's so yep. easy to get to the table. It's really great to introduce people to the hobby. Um, it's a great gateway game, I think. But as you, as you point out two at a time
0: (laughs) yes yeah that game became really big at my last office because we had a lot of people all of a sudden were gone onto like job sites or left the company or whatever and we could never get more than two people at the same time and so we started just playing star realms and all of a sudden we were like whoa this game is awesome and then we were like they're like hey like oh we already started this game of star realms you can play the winner." And we would play like two or three during a lunch hour, which is a good segue into how about a 30-minute game for a lunch half hour?
1: Yeah. Um, I think I'll have to go with a very obscure hidden gem called um Hit Z Road. Uh if you've heard of that one. So hit, <laughs> hit Z Road. I have not
0: heard of this.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. Well, because it, all of these games that I'm mentioning are kind of prominent in the in the solo community, right? So so that that's kind of like my where I come from, printed play and solo. So I'm I'm kind of off the beaten path here. And then when you mentioned earlier, like a choir, I'd heard of it, I've never played it. Shark, I've never heard of it at all. You know, so um, we're we're kind of coming at the same hobby from different <laughs> angles here.
0: No, that's but, that's what's so great about this hobby is there's so many different games, so many different people, so many different like you said angles to just hit this thing
1: from. So yeah. back to hit Z road. Hit Z Road is a game designed by Martin Wallace. So Martin Wallace is is kind of most famous for designing uh, Brass Birmingham and Brass Lancashire, um, which are kind of heavy uh, <laughs> yeah. engine builders, uh, economic simulations, um, you know, those types of things. But um well i mean martin wallace has designed i don't know thousands of games by this point he's a very very experienced game designer but uh Z road is a lighter game which you don't expect from wallace um (laughs) and it's a uh, it's a dice chucker um and it comes with a multiplayer game which kind of has auction and bidding mechanisms um and then it also has a solo version which totally does away with the auction and bidding mechanisms and in my opinion still actually works as a game um which is kind of a a crazy achievement right it's like wallace figured out it's like with these same components how can i create a multiplayer experience and then by removing this mechanism how could it still be a decent solo experience but basically for me as a solo game um it, it is a it plays over eight rounds. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to get from one side of the country to the other in the midst of a zombie apocalypse. And each round you have three paths to choose from. And these are represented by cards. Now the middle path, you have one card face up, one card face down. So what that means is one half of what you're going to encounter on that path is already known to you. And then the other half is unknown. The, the, the top choice Both cards are face down, which means the entire path is unknown. Uh, But you do get a bonus for choosing the unknown path. You'll get, because there's resources, right? In the zombie apocalypse, you're low on resource. You're low on ammo. You're low on fuel. And the the third resource is adrenaline. Or, uh, yeah, I think it's adrenaline. (laughs) Um, Yeah. uh, Adrenaline is a resource. Go figure. Now, the third path Mm. is the exact opposite where both cards are face up so it's a completely known quantity you know exactly what's going to happen what you have to resolve for the first card and the second card but you have to pay uh, in exchange for the unknown quantity you have to pay resources to be able to take the known path so there's kind of like every every round you're already faced with this decision of mm, which path do I take and and do I give up the resources to take the known quantity but but what if the unknown quantity is like super easy and 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 then like gain resources So you're like you're you're constantly kind of kind of tortured every round and and there's, there's eight rounds of that um, and then the, once you have to because eventually so you know like most zombie games the name of the game is can I avoid combat as much as possible because combat is brutal and I'm going to die or my 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 survivors are going to die but sometimes combat is inevitable and also winning fighting and winning combats is your main way of uh earning victory points and um you know so there's a there's a table at the end which says once you make it to the end well how many victory points did you earn and then you compare it against this this table to see how well you did you know so anyway it's a it's a compact little game it's to me it's like really really well designed um it's it it's the kind of game i've described it as um the kind of game that I'll play when I don't play, like play, I don't feel like playing any games. You know what I mean? Like it'll, it'll, it'll save me on a night where, for whatever reason, I'm just like, ah, uh, I don't feel like playing a game, or you know, I don't have the motivation. But I can play Hit Road. <laughs> so yeah,
0: it's awesome. No, that reminds me that my universal rule: there's a singularity, so you can play it solo. I keep forgetting to test it out. I need to though. Yeah, I need to test that one out. So, what would be a hidden gem game? A game that you feel that does, a game that you feel does not get enough attention.
1: Um, so, I'm going to reveal a, a little bit of my fanboy here. Uh, I'm going to mention another Martin Wallace game. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> Um I, I I like a couple of Martin Wallace games. I don't like all Martin Wallace games. Like I've never played Brass. I've never played Brass Bringing them. I've never played Brass anguishere. uh I'll probably end up buying them at some point, but I'm not ready yet. <laughs> um, but he, he put out a game called Australia. A-U-Z. Yep. Australia. And um this this concept is completely off the wall. Uh and it's kind of the sequel to a story written by the author Neil Gaiman, uh, which was called A Study in Emerald, which very, very briefly, I'll try to be as brief as I can. Um, imagine a world where all of those like uh, heroes, like classic heroes, like Sherlock Holmes and um, all these other folks, basically like the League of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, um, are, are all living in a world which has been taken over by Cthulhu. Cthulhu won back in Victorian England, and now it is a kind of global dictatorship that is lorded over by the old ones. And Sherlock Holmes and his team are a group of kind of freedom fighters slash terrorists who are trying to bring down the the Cthulhu world order. So that's kind of like the setup for this original game called A Study in Emerald, which is an actual game. Um... And then Australia is the sequel. So spoiler alert, um, the dissidents in the first game push back Cthulhu and his minions, and they have to make a retreat. And so they retreat. Where do they retreat to? Of course, to the Australian outback. (laughs) The most remote remote
0: place.
1: The most remote place, and this is set in like the 1910s. And so you play the part of the human expeditionary forces with like you know, kind of 1910s technology military and you are establishing beachheads on the shores of Australia and you're going to start building rail lines into the outback to uh, get resources to build up your military and you're going to take the fight to Cthulhu who are all hibernating. (laughs) They're literally sleeping in the outback until the third turn of the game. At turn 23, they all start waking up. And they all start heading for your ports and your farms and all of your resources, and now it becomes this all-out kind of skirmish uh, between the forces, the the awakening forces of Cthulhu, and the human expeditionary forces. So it's like it's it's this bonkers mixture of it's half a train game, train resource economic sim that Wallace is famous for, and then the back half of it becomes this like light skirmish game. you know, where, where you have asymmetric forces and then you have like uh, heroes that you can hire and then they buff, you know, some of your some of your units and all this stuff. So it's a it's a it's a it's a game concept that shouldn't work. It absolutely shouldn't work <laughs> because there's it's like one of those things where like it's like a fever dream of like, you know, let's just put every mechanism into it. And it would be cool if it had this, except in the hands of like a veteran designer like Martin Wallace. He actually finds a way to make it all work. And so That's crazy. for me, Australia is like one of the best games that people really haven't heard of. And it should be a lot more prominent.
0: Like I, As soon as you said, I remember the cover art of a guy with binoculars. That's the, yes. only, thing I, it's the only thing I knew about the game was that it was, it was AU with a big, huge Z and a guy with binoculars. That's all I remember. I knew nothing about the game.
1: Yeah, so, and if you look, if you look at the binoculars, at the lens reflected in the lens is a gigantic uh, Cthulhu in the distance. So that's that's why that cover art is so cool.
0: Oh, <laughs> man, that's hilarious! Oh yeah. my goodness! Yeah, yeah. I mean, sounds
1: crazy. Like it just it
0: sounds like chaos on a, as a game.
1: Yeah. Um, the other thing, was we we reviewed that game on Solo and we actually both Michael and I, because Michael had never heard of it, and I, I was already raving about it to him, and so he actually played it, and uh, we both agreed. We that actually earned a full stomp of approval from from both of us. Because sometimes we'll disagree, and I'll say, "Oh, I think it's a stomp game," and he won't agree with me, and sometimes it's the other way around. But this time, we you know the, one of the rare occasions when the stars aligned, and both of us gave the stomp to Australia. And one thing I will say. About all of the many good things I can say about the game is that the rule book is so good. It's like a model. Like if if somebody came to me and said, "Hey, um, do you have like a model rule book that I can pattern mine after?" And I, the first thing that would come to my mind is go look at the Australia rule book. Make sure that your rule book just follows that format, and then you'll be interesting.
0: Good yeah, no, that's it's a it's good, good to know. Book. It's good to know. No, I I just finished reading the. Klaus Teuber's My Journey to Catan Autobiography and it talked about how when they wrote the rules to Catan they broke all the rules writing the rules like the rule book was like nothing anybody had ever seen before and so that's interesting because I you know so many rule books are just it's funny I've been playing a lot of older games lately right you know because mm-hmm. my, my guests are talking about these old games from the 60s and 70s and you get those rule books, and it's like, how did anybody ever figure out how these games work? Like, I I love a choir, but man, the rules inside the lid because I have the 3M original release bookshelf yeah. edition. The rules inside that are like what? Because <laughs> it, it's like there's there's no real diagrams to help explain anything. No. You're just you're at the mercy of you understanding Sid Saxon's mindset at the time right. he wrote the rule book um, but it's it's interesting so I now I'm really intrigued to play Australia for nothing else just to read the rule book so yeah.
1: maybe I will. <laughs> yeah and then they had a Kickstarter I think last year where they released a couple of expansions to uh, Australia which might still be available um but yeah it's it's gotta gotta be honest
0: any game with expansions i'm already suckered into (laughs) Uh, those get me every time so in 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 australia uh can you be a different color are there colors yeah yeah
1: absolutely yeah So so what
0: color do you gravitate towards in gaming
1: always blue always blue but see you don't have to fight anybody playing solo uh, it depends on the game. So it, if you're playing a Euro game, and for the I used to be like a thematic gamer. You know, I used to be like, or or what kind of controversially is called Ameritrash, trash. Uh, air quotes, right? <laughs> um, I, I know that 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 term. You know, a lot of people get triggered by it, and they're like, ah, you know, I I personally, you know, kind of take it with a grain of salt. But anyway, yeah. that's where I started. Especially like Eldritch Horror is like the king of that t- that style of like lots of dice rolling lots of randomness lots of theme that style of game and then my first i don't know easily 100 games were of a similar mold right you know and i thought well this is now that i'm in modern tabletop games this these are these are what they are and then and then i would hear about like these games that they refer to as euro games right with Mm -hmm. worker placement mechanisms and whatnot and and those seemed strange and alien and foreign to me, like literally foreign, you know, and a lot of them are, are, are designed by, you know, yeah. by German or Italian designers, right? Um, and and uh, I just was I don't understand. I don't understand those games. There's nothing about them that appeals to me, right? And then um, last, like two years ago, I played a game called um, Newton, which is designed by a guy named Simone Lucchiani, and his, his frequent collaborator, Nestor, Nestore Mangioni, I hope I'm not butchering their names now. And, but I was, I was, it appealed to me because I'm like, I, oh, the, I like those types of themes where it's like it's about, you know, Sir Isaac Newton and about, like, the dawn of the age of enlightenment. And it's about, like, people who are going around the world to gather knowledge and research and look at books and study and whatnot. And um, I loved it. I'm like, this This is great. I, I played it, like, so many times in a row. Um, and then I'm like, what else is this guy designed, you know? And <laughs> turns out, well, Lucchiani is pretty prolific. And then I got into um, uh, Lorenzo Il Magnifico. I got into Grand Austria Hotel. Um, those are the ones I have right now. And then I just acquired um, Golem, which is one of his newer ones. These are all put out by Cranio, Cranio Games, Cranio Publishing House. And um, so anyway, the point is most Euros are like race for points, right? You, you you play and you have victory points. And um, if ever they have a solo mode, they just have some type of mechanism where, or maybe a, an AI opponent who is also scoring points, and then you just have to outscore them to win or they outscore you and you lose, right? So um, that that... In Euro games, that's very, very common. But there are other solo experiences where you actually go up and compete against a an AI system that's been designed to simulate um, the play of an experienced um, human player, but in a kind of streamlined way. Because as a solo player, what you don't want to end up doing is I'm going to play my entire turn and all of the you know think about all of the decisions I have to make on my turn and then play a whole entire other turn because that's too much of a load, right? Like So so a good solo game to me and a good solo design is allow me to play my turn pretty much the way I would in multiplayer, but then give me an easy-to-operate kind of abstracted, streamlined AI who Mm -hmm. um, has the effects of a human player but doesn't require all the different steps to achieve those effects. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so there are games that do that, I'm trying to think of. Um, the one that's bringing to mind right now is um, mm, uh, not Imperial Settlers, but 51st State. 51st State, designed by Ignacy Cevicek. And I think I'm pronouncing his, his, the designer's name correctly. He's he's Polish. Um, have you heard about that one, 51st yeah, State? Yeah, it's okay. also
0: right over your shoulder. <laughs>
1: you that's one of my favorite games, but... Uh, the solo mode features an abstracted AI opponent um, who is going to if, if if you don't if you don't play right uh, they will destroy they will raise all of your buildings <laughs> oh yeah uh, and, and make it very and, and they, will, they will score a lot of points so you have to figure out how to raise their buildings before he does the same to you and you have to figure out how to outscore him um so you know so anyway there, there there's a couple of different ways to, i mean there's there's many different ways to set up um a good solo mode some of them feature an opponent that you can actually defeat or can defeat you and some of them are just like more you know beat your own score types of yeah. experiences yeah
0: yeah no i uh i'm a big fan of the uh, clever trilogy by wolfgang uh varsh mm-hmm. the gaunch on clever and all that and so how nice yeah, I try to beat my own high score, but sometimes like I score so high I'm like, well I'll never never beat that.
1: And then I <laughs> and
0: then I don't play that board anymore. <laughs> I'm like, I don't I don't think I can possibly beat that score.
1: <laughs> I didn't know. You just taught me that Wolfgang Varsh designed Gunshin Clever. Yeah. Um I didn't know that. I I've heard of him because of a game called Taverns of Tiefenthal. Yep.
0: Which is Taverns like a of Tiefenthal, yep.
1: Quacks of Quedlinburg, which Quacks I have of, loved of those games, but I've only played uh, Taverns. Quacks is awesome.
0: I've not played okay. Taverns yet. I, it's high on my list. I actually had a board game idea, very that I was working out, and then I saw ta, and then Taverns came out because like I started my design um, and was working it up and coming with all these ideas, and then I was watching some video and like, hey, this is the newest game, and it's Taverns of Tiffin and they showed it. I'm like. That was my idea, <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, so I haven't played Taverns yet. Not not because of that. I actually want to play it because it was my you know see how much how much is it like the idea I had. Uh,
1: but yeah, um, yeah. I, yeah. I I'm the opposite. I've played Taverns and I adore it. I haven't played Quacks yet. Um,
0: <laughs> Quacks yeah. is hilarious. It's a bag building game. Yeah. And, uh, every time you're like, I should stop. And you're like, <laughs> I'm going to draw one more. Boom. You're done. Oh, okay. you, should, you should just stop. <laughs> whenever, whenever you get to a point where you think you should stop, you should just stop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it's kind of like push your luck.
0: It, yeah. What's well, a bag building, push your luck. So, so you're trying to keep, you know, all the different stuff in there and you're trying to, you're trying to go around the track as far as you can, mm-hmm. but after so many like explosions or something like that, then. Because you're basically you're a quack, right? You're not good at this, but you're you're not good at making <laughs> potions. So that's the premise: is you're trying to fake these people into believing you are really good at it. And so when you oh go too far, then you explode. So oh, man, like it ex- like like your little your little uh, cauldron blows up, and you're like, oh, I should have oh you know God. I should have stopped one draw earlier. So that mm. game was a hoot. I need to, uh, but I do need to play taverns. It's high on my list. I just haven't had time uh because i have all these other games that i'm drowning
1: in right yeah no i i I really now that you've explained quacks to me i need to bring it because the the one time a year that i actually get to play with other people is around the holidays when you know we visit family and last year i brought like 10 games and my wife was like getting on my case she's like don't don't bring too many games you know first of all it takes up too much space in the car because we have to drive to you know uh albuquerque new mexico uh from from where we are which is you know like a 18 hour drive or something like that um and uh and and then when we got there like it was fascinating to me the games that i had brought and the games that the games that i thought were going to be a hit were not like azul azul obviously is like one of the classic family games they didn't really like it but um i brought a game called uh cascadia which i I don't know if you've heard of it yeah Uh, flat out games by the way they do they, they, they kind of own that that kind of abstract, abstract puzzle tile laying. The verdant is their newer one, and then Cascadia, and then Calico. The one about the the cats was the yeah. first one that I heard of. Um, so Cascadia, I back, actually backed the Kickstarter of that, and I made the print the official print and play of it. And I brought my I brought my kick my brand new Kickstarter copy, and man, they loved it. Like it was the first game they like they they requested to play it over and over and over again, multiple days. They just want to keep getting playing Cascadia and getting their scores up and, and trying different combos of cards and whatnot. And I'm just like, I had, I never realized I, I, I wouldn't have predicted that, <laughs> that, that that would be the one to hit with them. They liked it so much that I left my copy with them. I figured I can leave my Kickstarter copy with them because you I have, have to a print and play yeah. copy that yeah. I'm pretty happy with. So
0: I'm also always amazed the games that take off and the games that don't right with my friends and family like lately the game that has been a massive success is no thanks okay yeah the card game by amigo games yeah it it's such a simple yeah. game yeah <laughs> but man everybody like you teach somebody to play it and the first time they're terrible at it right but then like oh i got it i got it i got it and then the next time they overcompensate the other way and they still get their butt kicked, you know no, like, no, 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 no! Play it again! Play it again! Play it again! I, I have played no thanks probably close to twenty times, and I've only had it for like a month, because that's every awesome. every time I showed it to somebody, we had to play it two or three or four or five times because like, oh, I got it. no, 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 no! Try again! No, 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 no! This time I got it! This time I got it! I'm like, you realize I'm taking nine cards out at random every time. It's not the same nine cards. Uh, but oh yeah, that's that's I really thought would be just kind of like a filler game that you know, I oh, will
1: just play this. So we went and the people,
0: like, hey, did you bring a uh, No Thanks?
1: <laughs> um, Speaking of which, uh, you may not be aware of this. Uh, there is a free print and play retheme of No Thanks on Board Game Geek that is Pokemon themed. I don't know if you're interested in that. <laughs>
0: uh, the, <laughs> my son loves Pokemon. I'll have to, to find it. So, real quick before I let you go. Anybody looking for a print and play and you're not sure it's out there, by all means, go to the print and play hideaway and just post the question. Sure. Somebody will get back with you within a day. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll tell you, I found a bunch um, and I've downloaded a bunch. I've got a whole hard drive file full of uh, unprinted print and plays that I've backed. Yeah. Um, But I'm telling you, the my only regret in my print and plays is with button shy. I got into button shy gaming right before Jason Tagmar went pro. Mm -hmm. And so he never had anything in stock. Mm -hmm. And so PNP arcade was amazing Mm because I could buy this for three bucks, a game that never in stock. And, you know, sure as the day is long, the second I, print it up and cut out everything for universal rule we were playing it and really just like going hog wild with it he comes out with singularity and i'm like it's three dollars to back it for the print and play or it's like 20 bucks or 30 bucks to buy my like, i'll just buy the print and play and i played it so much not singularity with the other decks i'm like man this is what i really wish i would have just you know bought the uh production mm-hmm. copy of just to have the cards but Buttonshy Games, so many great games. They're mm-hmm. all different kinds. Uh, you name it. Some of them are really deep. Some of them aren't. But in the end, there's only really been one that I was like, oh, I probably won't play this one again. And it happens to be one I bought the production copy of. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Like, can I trade this in? <laughs>
1: I wish that I was more into abstract puzzles because that's what a lot of button shy games at that nine or 18 card count. That's what they end up being their primary mechanic, right? Is because button shy their whole thing is, will give you a bigger experience with a small number of cards. Um, so Sprolopolis, if you've ever heard of that one. Oh, yes. One of my kind of like, you know, yeah. And, and, and a lot of, the, deservedly so, like a lot of people love it and whatever. And then I made, I, I was super excited. I'm like, I love the theme of this. You know, it's like a city thing, you know. And uh, and then I made a print and play copy. I, I backed the Kickstarter. And then I played it. And it was just like, left me cold. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? And then I tried it again played it. It just wasn't grabbing me. And I'm just like, until I figured out that I'm generally not, that's not how my brain works is for abstract puzzle games you know so uh took me it took me a while to figure that out so yeah um but i, I i'm interested in the uh, universal rule I will oh yeah check that
0: out. the 4x experience on 18 cards is just it's amazing and you really want to ratchet it out get all of it and then <laughs> mix all the playlists together and pull out 17 at random okay because they're all the so there's like three decks right and they're all balanced inside their own little deck. But then you can shuffle them all together and just pull out random ones. And so maybe what would have been a great planet in deck two may not be a great deck in this game. Mm-hmm. Or a great plan in this game because what it needs to feed off of isn't in the deck. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's a go. lot of fun. My friends and I, we we play that one a lot. what um, so Like I said, it is my favorite there's a lot of good ones, you know, a couple of good social deduction games in there and some bluffing games and everything. But Button Shy's usually got something for everybody. PMP Arcade's got something for everybody. Um, yeah. Of all levels. If you're wanting to test your board game build abilities, that's that's where you can go to do it.
1: Yeah. I think uh, the, the next thing I'm going to uh, build is uh, so the folks who put out um, Autobahn, which is uh, like a medium weight, uh, kind of Euro game. It's on Kickstarter right now as we're recording this. They were very generous and they put out a free print and play file. So I think I'm going to build that one just because I'm curious. And my my default, you know, kind of game that I gravitate to nowadays is kind of a mid-weight Euro um, more than anything else. So I'm, I'm curious about that one. So that's going to be my next build, I think.
0: Yeah, I've been sucked back into like the 60s and 70s, man, playing these games that are just astounding to be 60 50 60 years old and you're like wow this game is 50 years old you, man there's some good ones out there that i'm like man who's got the copyright to this right now can i buy it off them and just bring it back to life because like a choir right now is not in production which is sad should always be in production <laughs> <laughs> Well, Martin, I'd like to thank you for being on my show today. Uh, If anybody want to reach out to you, how can they do that?
1: Uh, Well, you mentioned it. Uh, I think that probably the easiest way is to just join the print and play hideaway on Facebook. Um, And you can also uh, reach us through the Solosaurus podcast at gmail.com. If you're on Board Game Geek, uh, you can search for me. My handle is dr henry armitage which is a character from the cthulhu mythos so it's super nerdy uh dr henry armitage on board game geek um anyway those any of those ways is to get a hold of me that's fine and i just want to say thank you adam uh this has been a lot of fun and i've enjoyed our conversation and uh, yeah thanks for inviting me man
0: oh no problem and again thank you for coming on the show and as usual, if you want to reach out to me, eat lunch dot com, Facebook dot com slash groups slash eat board game, or shoot me an email at eat lunch game at gmail dot com. And remember, board games build bridges. Stay in tune with all things sports around Indiana and the nation with the Crash Course Podcast. Each week, we tackle the big storylines from the world of the Colts, Pacers, and the Indiana College scene, while also keeping a pulse on the nation. We record live weekly at twitch.tv slash 3C Media and can be found on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard, you can catch the Crash Course Podcast. When you're gaming, why not be comfy? Go over to supportplayer.org. Click on the cards, pieces, and dice to get some merch. These t-shirts are some of the most comfortable I have ever worn. That's supportplayer.org, and there's a link on eatlunchandboardgame.com.